Welcome to the Wake and Rake Podcast, featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Now, here's Danny and Will. Awake and Rake podcast time. Will Middlebrooks. My God, my eyes are blinding from that shirt, man. You look like a, I told you on Twitter, you look like a rotten banana. Uh, rotten b- bananas are brown. And for the very, record, very ripe banana. So, the, well, the, the more, the right, more ripe, the more ripe, the riper, the more ripe a banana gets, right? The, the, the more brown it gets, the sweeter it gets. Do you know that? It's science. Look it up. I don't like. I don't like where this is going. It has a higher uh, glycemic index. The, so you're a the, fan of the yellow jerseys? For we're, uh, for those listening on the podcast, we're talking about the Boston Red Sox yellow right. jerseys. They're they're City Connect jerseys that right. I I love what they represent. Okay. Because it, it represents so the state flag is the or these colors mm-hmm. like the logo in the middle, and then the Boston Marathon, which is a big part of Boston history, big part of Marathon Monday. And on the Boston bombings when I was there in 13. Um, so I love what it represents perseverance and, and a city that just, just grinders really. Okay. Um, so so I, you have to like peel back the layers to enjoy it because they're so bright and ugly and they don't look good. But if you realize like what they represent then you fucking love them. Okay. So you're cool. Matt Barnes is on the Hill. He's one out away from the world series. He just strikes out. I don't know. Buster Posey to win. Red Sox win the 2021 World Series, and they're celebrating in yellow jerseys. You're cool with the Red Sox celebrating in yellow, uh, yellow threads. No, I want them to be in their jerseys. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool when they were on a winning streak that the league, they went to the league and was like, hey, can we yeah. wear these in the postseason? And the league was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I'd rather them win them in their home whites in front of their home crowd in Fenway like we did. Fair enough. We got a special guest on today's episode, Brooksy. I got a surprise for you. How about Nikki Lopez of the Kansas City Royals? Going to be joining us. He's yeah, the he's stud that we that no one's talking about. This kid has got a freaking glove on him. I got a great staff for you. I'm, I'm going to mention this to Nikki too when he jumps on. There are three players in Major League Baseball with a batting average above 300 and 20 or more, more stolen bases. Starling Marte, Trey Turner, and Nikki Lopez. Wow, I was going to say Trey Turner. I would not have come up with Starling Marte. Yeah. I mean, those are two – they're not going to win MVP, but Starling Marte and Trey Turner, like, they've been kind of batted around about being one of the more valuable players in the league. And yeah, then Nicky Lopez. If, if Marte hit more homers, if he was, like, had more power, he'd be MVP talk. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk about the wild card race that's going on in the American League, and then we'll have a conversation with Nicky Lopez. But there's a lot going down in baseball right now. So let's start it up in the American League wild card race. Boston, what's happening? They lost two out of three to Baltimore. These are winnable games. Everyone's looking at Baltimore going into this week. And you're looking at their schedule. They had Baltimore, and then they had Washington, and they lost two or three to start their week. That can't happen. No, they've had the scheduling gods in their favor. Yeah. This is, like, the best. I mean, the only other – I mean, they could ask for maybe Baltimore and the Pirates, but that's just not real. They got, they got Washington instead, who's a 94-loss team. So, what happened in Baltimore – simply can't happen boston's not playing like a playoff team right now period they lost with chris sale on the mound they let three young lefties with seven and a half to eight eras beat them not three two two game one and game three they lost they won with uh on the mound but um 
they're just not doing the little things, man. They're, would, they're would, pressing. They're would, pressing. You, would you rather play a team that is playing up to your like someone? Okay, hypothetically, like uh, the Giants playing the Padres or the not even the Padres because the Padres are kind of completely falling off the table but would you rather play a competitive team or a team that's completely out of it like a team like the orioles who are just trying to ruin everybody's lives basically right now would you rather play a team that is if they win okay not a big deal or would you rather play the orioles where if you lose to the orioles what the fuck like what are we doing (laughs) yeah i got the perfect answer for this the orioles uh teams that have been out of it all year you don't want to play them right because they want to play they want to ruin it you want to play a team like the A's or San Diego who recently got out of the race and were like, fuck it. Right. Like, oh, it's over now. Like, now let's just get to the offseason. I'm going to go play golf, get in shape, get ready for next year. These teams like the Orioles and the Nationals, they've been dealing with this for months. It's normal. They're, they're, this is another day. This is their um, World Series, though. Like, this is their only chance to have an impact on the standings this season. Well, the thing, too, with teams like this that are struggling with this many losses, most of the time they're very young, and it's full of 4, 4A players, right? Mm-hmm. These, this is an audition for these kids for next year. That's true. Because front office executives want to see you against real big league comp- competition, not in spring training when you're facing number 97, you know, in the eighth inning when you come in to back up. That's just not – it's not real competition. I should say it's not real competition, but in spring, spring training, spring training, you get that. Right. This is real big league competition. So this is an audition for a lot of kids. So you're going to get their best. You know, mm-hmm. these lefties for Baltimore, they're trying to get a fourth, fifth spot in that rotation next year. And they showed like, hey, I can Boston all in all Boston's number two, three, four offense in the league all year. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they brought it. If you're a Red Sox fan, too, I think Red Sox fans, understandably, have gotten a little bit greedy as the season gone on, has gone on because they're over under win totals. We talked about a lot on this podcast was like 82 and a half. I think it was at one point it was like in the 70s. It was like 78. So so people at this point, at least at first, when Boston was winning games, it's like, oh, my gosh, what a great surprise this is we don't care what happens this season this is a success story now of course naturally fans are getting greedy and we're like okay if we don't make the playoffs like end of the world's happening right now if you told me as a boston fan because i mean i'm supposed to be unbiased i work in baseball but boston's they're special to me i like boston if you told me early in the season hey you just sign here and uh the last three last series of the year you'll have a chance to be a wild card team i would have signed it they won yeah. you know what i mean right. everybody would have but, you know, that's not Boston, though. Right. And they don't care if you're expected to lose 100 games. They're still going to boo you because they still want you to be good and they expect success and, and you to be a good team and play hard. So um, that's the beauty of Boston. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. So New York is two games up. They just took care of business in Toronto. I really hurt Toronto. Toronto, Boston, Seattle for that second wild card spot. So Boston coming into Washington, they got three games against Washington, another team they should beat. They got Eddie Rodriguez on the Hill going against Josh Rogers on Friday. And then come Saturday, it's going to be TBD, who I heard is just nails and must win games for the Red Sox against Josiah Gray for the Nationals. So the Yankees going into this weekend definitely have the advantage considering they're two games up. But I want to talk about I want to talk about Seattle before we get to wait, wait, who okay. has the advantage? Oh, yeah, because they're two games up. They're two games That's up. Just one quick thing about the Yankees. We don't have to talk about them much. If we can get this out of the way, then we can get to the fun conversation. Yeah, I don't like talking about the Yankees anyway. That's the Mariners. 
Um, the Yankees, yeah, they're two games up, so they have that advantage with three to play, obviously. But if, if I'm the Rays, I'm sitting down with my vets, my everyday guys, and saying, all right, boys, do you want rest? Yes. Or because they, they have the best uh, record locked up. Mm-hmm. So they literally have nothing that they need to prove anymore. They're going to get that, that seating already. Um, so there's some bad blood between New York and Tampa. There has been for a couple of years, right? Or yeah. was it last year with Brosal? Bros- how do you say his name? Uh, I believe it was last year when it really when Kevin Cash when got bad. said, "We'll throw but it." I your think it's him from the year before. But yeah. anyways, so there's bad blood between the two. Yeah. Do you want to ruin their season? What would your answer be if you play for Tampa? Rest. Okay. You just you just spent 180 days. Yeah. Like 162 games. It's like take your rest. If you roll an ankle trying to take care of the Yankees and you're out for two weeks in the postseason, man, you'll never live that down. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Devin Williams. Can we talk about Devin Williams? That's tough, dude. No, would one, you, no one feels worse than him, but like, wouldn't I, you lie? I still, I, like, I still have a hard time believing that's what happened. I was going to say, wouldn't you rather lie instead of saying, like, I punched a wall while celebrating? Why, wouldn't you rather say, like, I was throwing a bullpen session and a comebacker hit me in the hand well, and I broke my hand? Regardless of what happened, I can at least respect that he came and sat down in front of the media and was like, yeah. I screwed up. This is what happened. So even if it isn't true, they can't say like he didn't hide behind closed doors, like hide behind, hide from the media and said, have someone else say that's what happened. He came out and faced it and said, This is what happened. So they really can't question it at this point. It is what it is. It kills them though, because now you're going to be expecting Josh Hader to get five, six out saves. You're going to have to let those starters maybe not take them out in the six, let them go to the seventh. They're blessed with three good starters, so they can do that probably. Mm-hmm. But um, you're, somebody's going to have to fill that role. And when that somebody gives up a two run homer, because Atlanta lives and dies by their offense. We know that. They're missing their ace, and Soroka retours Achilles. Um, but the offense has been rolling, right? Matt, and Max Riley, Freed. Freeman, Albies, Duvall. These guys, Swanson, these guys have been rolling. Yeah. They're probably not going to be able to hang with the starters for the Brewers, but if there's a void in that boy pen, boy pen, bullpen. I kind of like that, boy pen. The boy pen, the men pen. The men pen. Uh, <laughs> but if there is a, there's a void in that bullpen, they're going to find it. So that could be an issue. Let's talk about Seattle. They seem yes. like a team of destiny, man. I called those fans out, and I don't mean anything by this, man. I, I don't mean – because all the Mariners fans that I've interacted with are freaking awesome. Mariners fans are actually – they really love their team. They're very knowledgeable. I love T-Mobile Ballpark. But the first two games against Oakland, it was a night game. It was really cold in Seattle. They're having COVID complications too. The uh, protocol and the guidelines up in Seattle are increasing due to COVID that said they had about 10, 12,000 people there. If that the first two games against Oakland and you haven't been to the postseason in two decades. And I was like, come on, Seattle, like we need to get you going. So now they sweep Oakland. They've beaten Oakland like a million times in a row. And I think it's 13 straight wins against Oakland. And now they're tied for this wild card spot. They're nine and one in their last 10 games. Dude, Seattle's right there. They could end this postseason. Okay, the last time – keep this in, in context. The last time Seattle was in the postseason, bro, 2000, I was six years old. 20 years ago. I have never – like, I didn't watch baseball when I was six years old. I was too busy watching Teletubbies. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I've never seen the Seattle Mariners in a postseason environment or in a postseason game. I'm pumped for that personally. Bro, when I they were in the playoffs, it, it was like Griffey, Jay Bruner, like – Ichiro. Edgar Martinez. <laughs> 
I'm thinking more than 90s, but right, right, right. Randy Brett Johnson. Boone. Randy Brett Johnson. Boone, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's um, so I can't talk about this stat because you're the one that showed it to me, but I want you to talk about the clutch stat. We can talk about it. You can take credit for mine. That's okay. I, I'm not honestly, I, I probably saw it I on Twitter and I rolled with it. So I don't know. I have something I mean, else. I have something else. And then you can talk about the clutch. Okay. Fair enough. So, so the cl- Seattle, clutch, if, yeah. if they get in. So as of today, they have a negative 48 run differential. <laughs> right. That's fun differential. Like they like to say. Yeah. <laughs> if they get in, they'll just be the 10th team all time to get in with a negative run differential and four four of the nine teams that have gotten in were during a shortened season interesting i'm stealing that from you now that's good stuff right that's good stuff i'm still i'm gonna be on a show later today i'm gonna steal that and i'm not gonna give you credit that's good because it's just and that point that stat plays into the clutch stat which i'll I'll explain what it is and then you can talk about it but the clutch stat is basically a it's on fan graphs and it's a number that measures your team's success in high leverage situations, yep. whether offensively or defensively, seventh, eighth inning, you know, big situation, bases loaded, runners in scoring position, whatever it may be. I don't know the exact equation, but it's basically that. Um, your team's success in those big situations, both offensively and defensively. Most teams, 99% of teams every season, finish between three and negative three. Right. The Phillies, who have been very good this year, are, well, like three and a half. Uh, it didn't help them get in the playoffs, but maybe it kept them relevant. And I think a lot of the clutch number has to do with Real Muto and Harper. But um, the, the the Mariners are in first place with with what, Danny? 9.32 clutch rating. The next team Nine, after that. Three next, times. Three times any other team in baseball. Like, And what's, and what's nuts not. about that is the fact that they're last in batting average in baseball. They're 23rd in runs per game. They're 18th in pitching. So, like, I was digging, 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 like, why are they good, right? How are they good? Well, they leave less than three runners in scoring position every game. Mm-hmm. Now, is that because they don't get a lot of hits? That could play into it as well. But it's, it's that combined with they just hit when they need to, and they just get guys out when they need to. They just win. Well, they have, their, grindy, right? they have their starters lined up for this weekend. So, Friday night, tonight. Lexington's game two, right? Spot. We got Marco Gonzalez game one against the Angels tonight. Uh, game two, they're going to have Chris Flexen. What a really Flexen good story has made me so much money, by the way. <laughs> he he has made the most money on the money line. He's the most profitable pitcher in baseball. Interesting, because a lot of times he'll for half the season he was an, he was an underdog mm-hmm. and he would win. So a lot of he's he's made a lot of people money if they bet on him. Well, it's going to be Jonathan Diaz of the Angels on Saturday against Chris Flexen. Chris Flexen, top five in the American League in ERA. Good story, man. This guy went overseas. Worked right. on his stuff. All of a was sudden, Korea. He, it was a Korea. I. It was either KBO. Uh, I thought it was Korea, but I could be wrong. Yeah. No. No. You're right. I. Th- I believe you're right. But he's over with the Mets. Mets. Excuse me. Really, really struggled. Went over the. I think you said KBO. Now he's over with Seattle, and he's been one of the best starters in the American League, which is pretty cool. And then Sunday, they're going to have Tyler Anderson, who they acquired from the Pirates right. at the trade deadline against a TBD for the Angels, it, because the Angels announced that they're not pitching Shohei on Sunday. Exactly. And isn't it crazy that, like, we're seeing guys who got traded for be put in these positions to, like, this is why we traded for you, bud. Yeah. Go get us in the playoffs. Okay, but I will say this about Seattle. So, I was super critical of what they did to the trade deadline because they traded away Kendall Graveman. Now. I was too. Now, they got Abraham Toro, who they said was the reason for the trade, which I don't know if I believe that because if you want Abraham Toro, 
trade one of your minor leaguers. Don't give up Kendall Graveman, who's been your closer and has been fantastic all season long. So they could have had Kendall Graveman and Abraham Toro. Instead, they tried to make the case like, oh, we need to, you know, Kendall Graveman's going to be free agent. And, you know. Their front office isn't on my uh, top list of friends. Well, they're not, like, they're not in my top list of like awesome people. Yeah. Well, considering what happened this offseason, I think that's, that's well, that's where it stemmed from. Yeah. But, well, yeah. either way, Seattle's way ahead of schedule. They're going to have Jared Clinic. Julio Rodriguez isn't even up yet. I want to throw this in. I think one good thing, speaking of their front office, and I didn't really appreciate how they handled that situation before the season with service time manipulation and all that, and all that talk. I don't know if that had anything to do with this, but bringing Kellenic up and letting him mm-hmm. struggle, letting him grind through this year will be the best thing they ever did. And he's finding because the worst, worst thing they could have done is let him struggle for a month and a half, two months and be like, ah, beat it, go back to the bushes, figure it out. No, he's on the perfect team, a young team. There's a few vets mixed in. This is the team where you can let him stay and marinate and soak it up and 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 learn. You're not going to get these experience points and service points in AAA. You're going to learn by failing at the big league level, and that's. I'm so glad they're letting him do that because not many people have aren't aren't able to let prospects do that because of the pressure to win. They didn't have the pressure to win in Seattle, right. yet they're doing it anyways. But the lack of pressure to win has, has given them the, the ability to let him develop in the big leagues. It's a luxury of playing on the West Coast. It's not luxury. A That's the word I was looking for, and I couldn't yeah. find it. I got you, brother. Appreciate that. Logan Gilbert is the man I was talking about. They, so they have some young pitchers. I mean, UC Kikuchi, he struggled in the second half, but he made his first all-star game earlier this season. They have some guys in that rotation. And then they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. So this is just the beginning of good things. Gilbert Gilbert impressed me a lot against Frankie Montas like two, three days ago. Yeah. When I was like, man, this is like, this is the start for him where it's like, see what you're made out of. Like, Mm -hmm. I know you've, I know you guys have beat the A's 11 times in a row, but this is their stud on the mound. He's going to get probably some Cy Young votes. Go beat him. Mm -hmm. And he did. The whole team did, but he pitched his ass off. Last but certainly not least, Blue Jays are taking on Baltimore. Again, we talked about how the Red Sox struggled against Baltimore. Baltimore is going to be playing, uh, you know, what, what do you call it? Um, you're trying to end the season, but huh? Wait, well, I don't know what you're saying. I'm trying to blank on the word. Baltimore is going to be trying to end Blue Jay season, basically. Um, well, they're trying to have... play spoiler. Spoiler. That's the word. Thank see, you. See, we're one for one now. See, I had your back, and now you have mine. Steven Matz is going for Toronto game one against Tom, some homie named Thomas Eshelman, who they probably picked up from the seven. I know Esh. I, I played with him in Philly. Oh, my regard. Righty. Righty. Yeah. But he's going to go game one. So the Blue Jays have an opportunity to play a bad team at home at Rogers Center. We'll see what happens. But um, I think the Blue Jays win at least two or three. By the way, the people that are saying Vladdy G should win MVP because his team made the playoffs. His team is not in yet, so... Yeah, they're in the mix. I get that. Um, have you changed your mind on NL MVP? Well, considering Tatis hit a ball out of Dodger Stadium last you night... Don't win, you don't win MVP because of one home run. I don't care if it goes 900 feet. You're right. But the eye test is something. And, and, you, don't, and you don't lose an MVP because you go 0 for 11 with five strikeouts in a series. You're right. I will say this. 
I want to. I still want to see how the season plays. I think these three games could literally decide the NL MVP. I think if Bryce it, Harper not Bryce Harper not making the playoffs was the best thing that could have happened for Tatis. Yeah, but the whole reason they're even in the mix was because of Harper. It, and his power this. output, his power output has been that much better than everybody. Consider this. If Vladdy misses the playoffs, which there's a possibility of that happening, none of the MVP candidates, American League, National League, will be on a playoff team. Right. Tatis, Harper, and Soto in the National yeah. League, none of them will be playoff teams. Over in the American League, Vladdy G, Shohei Otani. And Simeon. Yeah, yeah Simeon, too. I, li- I like that call out. None of them are on playoff teams. If if the Blue Jays don't sneak in, I think that's that's fair. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I literally three guy. If it went to either Soto, Harper, or Tatis, I wouldn't say that's the wrong answer. Like mm-hmm. either, either one, all of them. Pick, flip a coin, or you can't flip a coin. There's three. Throw a dart at a wall of pictures of them. If whoever it hits wins, I'm fine with it. They're all the most valuable. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. Let's talk. Is is Nicky Lopez deserving of the Gold Glove Award? We're going to ask him next on the Wake and Rake podcast. Nikki Lopez joining the show. I promise you all that we would have a special guest here on the Wake and Rake podcast. And as always, we deliver just like Nikki Lopez delivers. I got a stat for you, Nikki, brother. There's only three players in Major League Baseball this season, 300 batting average or higher, and 20 stolen bases. Starling Marte, Trey Turner. You can make the case those are two MVP candidates. And you. You're the third guy on that list, man. That's a pretty that's pretty good company to be in, right? Yeah, that's not not bad. Uh, first off, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. But yeah, that's not a, not a bad list. And um, if you would have told me before the season that that would be the case, uh, I would I would have definitely signed up for that. Um, but no, those are two great great guys to uh, play against, and um, you know I'm just happy to be named in that in that category. I'm glad you brought up before the season because I love your story, man. Push down to the minor leagues before the, you were expecting. Am I correct in saying that you were expecting a roster spot on the big league club, right? I was, yeah. I, I, I knew I had to pick it up a little bit, but I, I did expect to be on that on that team. Yes. And you got pushed down to the minors, and all of a sudden injuries happen up on the big league club, and you get bumped back up. Did you think you'd get another opportunity at the big leagues at that time? Um, no. So I was actually how it worked was I was. I got sent down the final cuts um, and, you know, you usually take your three days of, you know, spring training, you can take three days. Well, I went in the next day and, and hit, just hit. I went to the cages each day um, for about three days. I was just hitting, just hit for an hour with Alex Zumwalt and JJ Piccolo. And uh, we would just hit, I would do no fielding. I would do no, no group, group work. We were just in the cages. And uh, I think it was the day that they left, so they, they broke spring training when they landed, um, you know, they called me early in the morning the next day and opening day was the next day. Like the, they're like, you have to get down here. Um, and I was like, how, how do you want me to do this? So they were, they were toying with like, Hey, you might need to drive. Um, but they were luckily enough, they got me on a, on a flight and, um, it was just a whirlwind. Cause I was obviously due to unfortunate circumstances, you never want to get called up due to an injury. But I was just like, all right, uh, even if I'm not ready, I'm ready. Let's let's do this and kind of let's, let's run with it. What were you telling fiance, right? You guys just got engaged about earlier this year. What were you telling soon to be wifey when you got demoted and then promoted? What were the emotions going? 
Yeah. So she was my first call. Um, told her that I got, I got sent down and she was like, wow. Um, like, cause obviously, you know, she's my biggest support staff. So or part of my sports staff. So she was like, wow. Um, and then she's like, I don't know if this marriage is going to work out. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing like that, but she was, uh, no, she was very supportive. I was, I was obviously in a bad mood, but then I had to quickly turn into, you know, this is going to be a blessing in disguise, kind of get to work, um, you know, change, change the way I went about things um, and kind of just, Hey, I'm going to figure this out. Cause this is not the way it's supposed to be. And then, um, and then I, <laughs> we were packing up the car cause we were ready to go to Arkansas for, um, and then to Omaha, we were going to go to the um, alternate, alternate site. And uh, we were packing the car and then they, they called us and we're like, hey, you need to get to Kansas City. So we had to pack even hard, pack even faster, ship our both of our cars and fly to fly to Kansas City. So it was a whirlwind for both of us. I said, so when you guys get bumped up to the big leagues, you guys ship everything just basically overnight. Is that um, how it works? Well, usually, so they do a good job, obviously, from Omaha, um, Northwest. Northwest to Omaha is about six hours, mm-hmm. but um, Northwest to... Uh, Kansas City is three and Omaha to Kansas City is three. So it's like right in the middle. So right when you get that call, you kind of, you get in your car and you just drive. So, but being in Arizona, when I got the call that, you know, Hey, you got to get to Kansas City. That was a tough one. Cause they were like, Hey, you might need to drive, but opening day was tomorrow. So it was, it was one of those things where it's pack the car, ship it. And we'll, we'll be there. And whenever the car gets there, it gets there. Well, how'd you do? I did well. I did there really, I did really well the first first week. Ran into a little uh, cold streak um, about a couple couple weeks in, and then ever since then it kind of just took off. I want to talk about Omaha a little bit. You got deep roots in Omaha. You went to Creighton. First of all, I want to know why you went to Creighton. Were you recruited by other uh, organ or I shouldn't say organizations, other college programs? Or was Creighton your number one choice? I was. I was recruited by other other, other programs. Actually, my first call I've ever received was from Notre Dame so I was like oh sweet Notre Dame's calling me and then it was uh University of Illinois it was uh Central Michigan it was uh Wake Forest uh, Miami of Ohio um so I had I had some you know pretty pretty big schools um you know not like obviously those southern schools uh, I never really went to any um showcases or anything like that the only thing I did was you know some tournaments but then when I went to Creighton we had a family friend who went there, Mike Gerber, um, and his best friend was David Gerber, or my best friend is David Gerber. So we were like, "Hey, we let's 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 go to Creighton if we if we both get recruited there." And and we did, and I fell in love with it with all the, uh, you know, it's a smaller school, um, big in in sports, and then uh, obviously the facilities are are second to none there. Is it weird playing in TD Ameritrade with, I, I mean, no offense by this, but you're not going to have 30,000 fans show up to a Creighton game on a Tuesday midweek game. Is it weird playing in like a completely empty TD Ameritrade park on like a Tuesday night? Yeah, it is. And, it, and when you were there, it, there's nothing really you can compare it to because it was, now I can compare it to like a like a spring training or like inner squad game when you guys, fall were, league. yeah, fall league. But now uh, when, we're, when I was there, it was, I was just so like, you know, giddy because of how big the stadium was. This is where everyone's striving to get to. And that was our home stadium. And it was obviously one of the best playing surfaces in, in the country. But yeah, those, those midweek games where you have about like 300 people, a lot of stadium seats, it's, we, we packed it out, you know, it was a sea of red, but we packed it out against like Nebraska and our military day. But um, 
yeah, I, w- I wouldn't change a thing. I, I would go back there in a heartbeat. And that was my time to shine was Tuesday with me. Uh, midweek games because that wasn't good enough to be our weekend starter so that was that was my time baby uh, <laughs> all right let me ask you this you have a teammate named salvador perez who is just having historical season most home runs by a catcher all time in a single season what's he doing like is is this man's confidence just through the roof what is the secret sauce for salvi right now yeah that i mean confidence is one thing the way he just goes about his business the way, how hard he works day in and day out um, you know, his lifting regiment, his treatment, um, his routine, the dude grinds It's second to none. And he, yeah. he was going to catch and D- he was going to play 162 this year, whether it was catching or DH, which is unheard of when you're a catcher, usually you get some days off in there, but I mean, the guy's, his mental, uh, game is, is insane. And, uh, he's, he's so fun to watch and he's even a better person and teammate too. So it's, I'm just happy I'm on the same team as him. So I don't have to have a ball that comes 115 my way. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot then. Who should win MVP? Oof. Obviously, Shohei is the odds favorite right now. I'm gonna leave my opinions aside here. I'm gonna leave the floor to you. <laughs> well, what the thing is is that Shohei, we haven't seen a player like that. Obviously, I haven't. I wasn't alive for Babe Ruth, obviously, but they're saying you know, it's hard to see a guy who throws or pitches and hits the way he does. So when we played against him, he's, he's incredible. And he's obviously one of the best in the league. I, I personally believe that Sal should get a little bit more MVP hub though. Um, I think that there's not a lot of, I know there's a lot of, you know, Hey, he's having a great season, historical season as a catcher. I don't know why he's not up there with, you know, the MVP, you know, MVP talk because he is leading the league in RBIs. He's leading the league in home runs. And he, he's, he's caught in DH in 100. I mean, when the season's over, it's going to be 161 games. So, he's uh, runners out. yeah, exactly. And he's throwing and throwing runners out. He's probably going to win a gold glove, silver slugger. Um, so he's, he's pretty insane. But I mean, it is it is kind of hard to answer that because Sal is Sal's my guy. So it's either him or Otani. That's what I think. Fair enough. You mentioned gold glove. I think a gold glove is in the cards for you, my friend. You're first and out above average. I mean, we're talking American League shortstops here. We're not talking like just in the American League Central or just like like you're that dude this season. And you mentioned before on this call that you just hit in the cage. You didn't even work in the field for a while there when you got sent down. So what's clicked with you and why do you th- feel as though you should be the Gold Glove recipient this this season? Yeah, I um, defense is, you know, the thing I put a lot of effort in. I put a lot of um, time in. Um, I take a lot of pride in my defense. Um, ever since, ever since college, I went to obviously Creighton and under Ed Service, he's a, a defensive guru over there, and he taught me a ton about defense. Taught me about how you know footwork and arm, the you know arm strength, get everything, get everything going, momentum going to first base, and I just take a lot of pride in it. There's nothing worse than letting your team down. There's nothing worse than letting a pitcher down. He's busting his butt on the mound. You want to make a play for him. Um, and that's just what kind of my mentality going into it. And uh, I've, I've been striving so hard to get a gold glove. Obviously, I've only been two years, but, um, you know, being there, being close at second base last year and then moving over to shortstop and, and doing it again this year, I think is one of the big reasons why. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm a very humble guy. I don't want to obviously brag, but I mean, going from second to short and being a finalist at second and then hopefully being a finalist at short. Um, 
I think that's, that's, that kind of speaks for itself. And hopefully I, I get some votes. Hopefully I get the coaches to vote. Um, but if it is, if it happens, it happens kind of thing. You think starting from even high school up to the big leagues, you think you're overlooked because of your size? 100%. I think so. Cause I, I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I've always had guys count me out. Um, you know, freshman year of high school, I was borderline going to make the freshman a team because they didn't think I had the arm strength or, you know, you know, the, I, I didn't, I was small. I didn't have the size. I didn't go, I didn't go to one college because he didn't, they didn't think that uh, I'm not going to name names, but they didn't think I was big enough or strong enough to compete at the college level. Um, and that's just, you know, testament to Creighton because they, they believed in me and, and then it kind of just took off from there. But I've, I've heard it in minor leagues. I've heard it in the big leagues of you're not, you don't hit for power. You don't hit for, you know, you know, you don't hit enough home runs. You don't hit enough, uh, you know, doubles and triples, but it's all just fuel to the fire. <laughs> uh, I, I like talking about that because we had a conversation with Marcus Stroman before the season and he's obviously known for his brand of being undersized and basically shoving it besides his size. Um, and I love, I love talking with guys like that because it really doesn't matter, especially in the sport of baseball. I mean, I mean, you got guys now, I mean, shoot, Dustin Pedroia is probably the best example of a guy that can still hit for power and be undersized. But for you, you're not really a power hitter, but you're hitting over 300. You're making good contact and you've been one of the more valuable infielders in baseball in the American League this season. Why do you think that players of your stature, players of your um, type still are valuable in today's age? Because we talk about guys like Nick Madrigal. Super good contact guy, never strikes out, but he got traded over to Chicago for a guy like Craig Kimbrell. And so people are battling around, like, if you don't hit for power, you're not as valuable in baseball today. What do you say to that? I think that a lot of people don't, I think a lot of people don't think of us, the, you know, the type of players that we are, are very exciting right now. I think what they want to see is the home runs, the strikeouts, the guys hitting the balls out of the ballpark, where I think if, I mean, if you ask me, because obviously I, you know, me, Whit Merrifield, guys like that, let's get on base. Let's have Salvador Perez hit a home run. Um, let's, let's put a ball in play and, and run a hard 90. Let's turn a single into a double. Um, and that's my biggest thing is that I, I'm going to play, I'm going to play hard every single day. I'm going to play really good defense and I'm going to get on base because I think that's more exciting than, you know, striking out. I think that's more exciting than, and I think that's more invaluable. Um, and I, I hope that baseball kind of goes back to, you know, putting the ball in play, put, and obviously you're, you're going to, you're going to leave the yard. Obviously you're going to get the strikeouts because guys are just that good, but um, you know, just getting on base uh, ever since I went to the two hole, I, that's my, 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 uh, my thought process, just get on base for Sal, get on base for Sal and let, let Sal drive me in. And uh, it's been working. It's been working the second half. Yeah. It's a pretty good strategy. I'd say. All right. <laughs> Well, it was more nerve wracking. Your first big league at bat, you're proposing to future wifey in Chicago. Is that, am I correct? Yeah, in Chicago. So it was in my home, home city. Um, more nerve wracking would be proposing. And I was, I right. was, nervous. I was, dude, you can prepare for it all you want. You could say it in your head. You could picture it all night, but yeah. there's nothing that prepares you for it. I'm t I, I went through a similar experience two years ago now. So I was, I was all ready for it. Obviously, you know, my debut, once you get that first pitch, once you get that first ground ball, it's, it's just baseball. Then after that. Um, but when I was, when I was going to propose, it was like 80 degrees out. I was, 
I put a jacket on because I was like, I gotta hide this ring. I was wearing a little tighter <laughs> jeans and can't put it in my back pocket. And she kept like asking me like, why are you wearing a jacket? Like it's, it's hot. I was like, Oh yeah, we're going to be by the water. Um, it's going to be colder. And then our reservations weren't until seven 30. And it was like, I had everyone come into the hotel around like seven. I was like, Hey, we should, we should leave a little earlier to get like a drink. And she, she was just taking her sweet ass time. And I'm like, <laughs> Naturally. So was, exactly. So that just kind of, you know, fueled the more, uh, you know, I was, I was getting very nervous and I was like, Oh, hopefully she doesn't know. And, it worked out. It, it definitely worked out. Very cool. Okay, tell me a little bit about Nikki's number one's charity. Uh, you're building positivity for underprivileged youth through talking. Obviously, COVID has complicated things, but you're talking with different underprivileged youth through Zoom calls. You were before COVID. You're trying to get kids to the ballpark. So tell me a little bit about what you do in your community. Yeah, so Nikki's number one's is basically um, me just acting as a role model to, you know, Kansas City youth. Uh, we I work with Kansas City um, Community Partners, uh, Operation Breakthrough, which is, uh, you know, the un underprivileged inner city kids. And then I also work with um, the uh, Kansas City YMCA, YMCA Challenger Program, which is helping the uh, special needs and the, um, the, those, those kids as well. And then as well as the Children's Hospital. So kind of just giving them a, you know, a role model to look up to, some positivity to shed light, make, make some kids smile, um, be there for them if they ever need anything. Um, due to COVID, we're, we're stuck on only Zoom calls, which, which is very unfortunate. But my hopes is in 2022, I'll have, you know, the day at the K with, with me, show them, the, show them the ballpark, show them what it's like, maybe hopefully show them the locker room and then obviously bring them onto the field and kind of just you know, shed some light in their life that they might not have um, and kind of just be there for them and be that, be that role model for them. That's awesome, man. I love yeah. it. I love it. Okay. I can't let you go though, before asking you for an update on this dog situation, you want dogs in a dugout. Do we have anything? Have you gotten contact with Manfred at all? Are we getting any kind of progress on this dog in a dugout uh, proposal that you have all of a sudden jump started? Yeah. So one of my, one of my good friends is Ben Verlander. Um, and I just kind of, he asked me if you're, if you're a commissioner, what would you do? And that, I just kind of threw that out there because I'm a big dog lover and, and it, it took, you know, it, it caught fire and I got um, media people interviewing our skipper about it too now and stuff like he's that. He's on board. He's on board and he's on board. So that's, that's, that's a good hurdle to jump over. Now I, I dropped the ball because I had a, you know, a meeting with Dayton Moore the other day and I didn't, I didn't ask him and I should have. That's and on you. He asked me what, you know, is there anything you need from us? And I think that, that's on me. I should, I should have <laughs> asked. But sometimes when you're talking to the, you know, the GM or the uh, now president, um, it gets a little nerve wracking. So, but no, it's, he, it's, uh, it's good. He has that open communication though. I mean, that the Royals have such, they have that reputation, Yeah. you know, like the Royals have such good reputation. That's why I really wanted to talk to you is because, Dayton Moore and that entire front office, like they're known of just taking care of their players. They seem like yeah. they take care of you pretty well. Yeah, they're the, they're the best, and they're it's a, it's a giant family over here, super loyal. Um, they'll go above and beyond to you know meet your needs and to go above and beyond just to make sure that you and your family are okay. So I, they've been unbelievable to me. Um, but back, but as far as the dog, I see a lot of, you know, I see the Washington Capitals have a dog. I see other places have a dog. And I, I think, I think it's a good idea. So if I ever see Manfred face to face, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him about it. I want video of that. 
I will. I'll Rob, I want I want a video of somebody asking Rob Manfred, can I please have a, do a dog in my dugout? And he'll probably say like, no, no, no. We just need to like keep the shifts or like we, need, we just need to. <laughs> yeah, he'll come up with something crazy. We all know. OK, these are straight from Brooksy here. Rapid fire questions, quick answers, quick questions. Who's the one pitcher you just absolutely hate facing? Now, Craig Kimbrell. Really? Just <laughs> the one time uh, I had like a check swing hit over third baseman's head, but I, that was, that was, that was pretty nuts. Oh, he's in the book then. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> Most underrated player on the Royals right now. Underrated player on the Royals. Uh, Other than yourself. Um, I would have to say, I would have to say Michael Taylor. Okay. Just got that extension too. So just got that extension, but it, there's a lot of things that kind of go. I, I know a lot of people, you know, they, they're box score watchers. I think a lot of people are um, when it comes to like, obviously social media and all that stuff. But when you see him take the field and you see him cover Kauffman stadium, it is something incredible to watch. And so I would, I would say either him or uh, Andrew Benintendi. Name one teammate. You don't have kids quite yet, right? No, no kids. If you do have kids in the future, name one team that you would not want babysitting your kids. I would not want babysitting my kids. Uh, I'm going to go with Wit. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm telling him he said that. I'm putting this out on, on public. Nothing against, nothing against him, but he always, he always gives me shit. So I, <laughs> I just don't want him to give my kids shit, you know? Fair enough. Best piece of advice somebody has given you? Um have fun keep having fun um i think a lot of people take it for granted that it's a uh we play a game for a living so when you look at it look at it look at it like it's a job i think that's when you kind of get you get caught up in it um if you try to have fun and look at it as a game i think you're gonna have the most success and get the most out of it last one chicago deep dish pizza or kansas city barbecue deep dish pizza oh man i, I, know, I no, hate no, you no, you're gonna get booed in your next at bat not, not that I don't like Kansas City or uh, Kansas City barbecue, but I mean, I gotta stay, I gotta stay to my roots. This is hard hitting journalism right here. I hope you know this. I know this is tough. <laughs> Nikki, best of luck the rest of the way, man. I am keeping my fingers crossed to you. And if you don't win the Gold Glove, it's probably a snub. Get this man the Gold Glove, Rob Manfred. He's gonna come to you about talking to you about a dog, but don't forget to give him that Gold Glove along the way. Nikki Lopez, thanks so much for joining the Wake and Rake podcast, man. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Brooksy, tell me. Weekend's over. It's Sunday night. Playoffs start. Who's in the American League? Who's stealing those wildcard spots? This is so tough for me. New York, just because they win two games, they pretty much have it locked up. Um, if they win one, they probably have it locked up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Seattle. I'm going like to go that, against uh, – I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm going to go Seattle. They, they are playing like a playoff team. Boston is not. Seattle, I just, I'm thinking. I, it's so hard to go with them because you just look at their lineup and you're like, meh. Their numbers are their not impressive. Rotation. No, they have one guy that stands out, and it's Mitch Hanniger, 250, 38, 95. He's leading the American League in homer, American League outfielders and home runs. I think he's like second in RBIs, third in RBIs. I mean, J.P. Crawford's having a good year, 273. Not a whole lot of power, but some. Stud in the field. Stud. Gold lover. <laughs> Sorry, Nikki. Sorry, Nikki. 
<laughs> I've not, wait, Gold Glover last year. Gold Glover last year. Nikki, Nikki and JP year. will definitely be competing this year. Ty France hit almost 300 with 18. They got a good, they got a, they, they're just scrappy, dude. That's scrappy, the best way man. to put it. They're scrappy. Um, I just feel like right now they're better than Boston. Okay. Um, Boston's just, I just feel like a bad vibe around them right now. Like, you can't lose to Baltimore like that. And it wasn't even like they lost on like a walk off. Like they were getting beat, beat. Yeah. You know, like bad team. So, I hope you're. I hope you're right. I, I personally have seen the Boston Red Sox and Yankees, and I would be an idiot, and I would be lying if I told you Red Sox Yankees in a one game playoff wouldn't be entertaining. But I'm a sucker for anything new. I'm a millennial. I'm a <laughs> sucker for the grass is greener on the other side. I'm always looking for something new, the new players, yeah. new stars. So give me Seattle in the playoffs. It's like the superstars versus like the upcoming up and coming guys that no one really knows about, you know? It's like, yeah, it's like March Madness tournament. Everybody finds that like right. Gonzaga's North, playing like West, Butler. Northwest Tech University of <laughs> of Polytechnic School of Trade. We you know it. what I mean? And we all get behind. Like that's the Seattle Mariners this year. Loyola. Loyola of Seattle, Northwest Tech. Now they just needed none. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Hey, special thanks to Nikki Lopez for joining us. Let's go, Mariners, baby. Take it home for us. I mean, come on, socks. Let's go, like, pick it the fuck up. Adios, party.